0: Good morning. It's a Monday. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. A delight to have you along with us, even though the day is kind of gloomy, we'll try to uh, brighten it up for you as best we can. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental CoversMe dot Big weekend uh, in uh, local sports. Uh, Bob Lippman, our friend, uh, former uh, WKXL star, uh, is going to be checking in in a few moments from uh, Cary, North Carolina, where the Southern New Hampshire University baseball team is playing for the NCAA Division II Championship right now. But uh, locally, Maddie Walker of Concord High School uh, pitched a perfect game for the uh, Concord High uh, softball team as uh, they, they won their game and have advanced now in the, uh, to the softball semifinals. 21 up and 21 down. Maddie Wachter with uh, a tremendous performance over Timberlane on Saturday evening. So uh, next up for the uh, Crimson Tide girls will be uh, tomorrow at uh, Chase Field on the campus of uh, Plymouth State University. So congratulations to Maddie Wachter. Uh, great story and some uh, outstanding pictures in this morning's edition of the uh, Concord Monitor. Eric Rinston lobel uh, with his usual great job covering uh, that game for the uh, Concord Monitor, but uh, a uh, perfect game for Maddie Walkter, who has had a remarkable season for the uh, Concord High Crimson Tide. And uh, the Bo girls, well, they won their lacrosse semifinal. And now will uh, go on to uh, play in the championship game as uh, they will take on uh, Bo is the top seed, by the way, 16 and one on the year. And uh, tomorrow night at 7, they will take on the number two seed, St. Thomas Aquinas, at the Bank of New Hampshire Stadium in Laconia. So that will take place uh, tomorrow night. So a busy time in local sports. And uh, we're going to check in with Bob, Bob Lippman, momentarily from uh, Cary, North Carolina. He is there with the penman of uh, Southern New Hampshire University. Hope you had a great weekend. Uh, yesterday... I had a chance to see Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at the Hatbox Theater. And uh, I want to tell you, it's there for one more weekend uh, next Friday, this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, if you have an opportunity, uh, by all means, take advantage of the opportunity to go and see Who's Afraid of of Virginia Woolf, because uh, you will certainly enjoy it. There is no doubt about that. And uh, uh, not a a very good weekend for the Boston Red Sox. They uh, lost two out of three to uh, Tampa Bay after a comeback win on uh, Saturday in the first game of a day-night doubleheader. Red Sox won that game but lost the second game and uh, lost yesterday in an ugly performance on an ugly day at uh, at the uh, at Fenway Park. Uh, so the Red Sox uh, will wrap up their series with Tampa Bay this afternoon at 4:05 in a makeup of a rainout on Friday. And in the NBA last night, Newcastle's Duncan Robinson Robinson of uh, Newcastle, New Hampshire went on a tear at the start of the fourth quarter for the Miami Heat. And they came from behind last night and beat the Denver Nuggets in Denver 111-108 to 108 to tie that series at one victory apiece. So there you go. One-to-one one as they head to Miami for Game 3 on uh, Wednesday night. Kale and Company live, and uh, we will have a guest coming up. Uh, At uh, 8.35 this morning by the name of uh, Isabella Maldonado. And uh, she has written a new book by the name of A Killer's Game. And it's uh, uh, one of many that uh, uh, Ms. Maldonado has written over the years since retiring from the police department of Fairfax County, Virginia, which is right outside of Washington, D.C., And uh, she is going to be with us to talk about her new book. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, A very successful writer. And uh, she will be with us at uh, 8.35 this morning here on uh, WKXL, NHtalkradio.com. And you can uh, tune in at 1039 in the Capital Region, 1019 in uh, Manchester and beyond, 1450 on the AM dial, and of course, streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And uh, we will, uh, well, we, we will repeat this show uh, tonight at uh, 7 o'clock as we do all of our Kale and Company shows here on uh, WKXL. So uh, if you miss any of this show or Want to hear it again? You can always tune in at uh, a little after 7 o'clock weeknights here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Today, uh, by the way, uh, for whatever reason, is uh, Hot Air Balloon Day. They have the uh, great uh, hot air balloon uh, weekend in Pittsfield annually. Today is Hot Air Balloon Day. It's also uh, national... Attitude Day, and National Gingerbread Day is being celebrated today, as well as, well as a Sausage Roll Day and World Environment Day, all being celebrated here on this June the 5th, 2023. Kale & Company live here. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. As expected, the Celtics are going to see some coaching staff changes uh, now that uh, the season has come to an end. After Ime Udoka was hired by the Rockets, a former Celtics coach, there was a good chance he would hire away some Celtics assistant coaches that he originally brought to Boston prior to last season. And that will indeed be the case, and more moves could be on the way. Celtics assistant coaches Ben Sullivan, Mike Moser, and Garrett Jackson are all leaving for Udoka's staff in Houston. And uh, Aaron Miles and uh, Jarrell Christian have also gotten some interest from other teams. And it looks like Sam Cassell, who played for the Celtics during their championship season of 2008, is going to be joining the staff of uh, Joe Mazula with the Boston Celtics. So Sam Cassell will be added to the Boston Celtics coaching staff for the upcoming season. So some shakeup there in the coaching ranks of the Boston Celtics. But as we learned last week, Joe Mazzula will be returning for another season as he assigned an extension about midway through the year for the Boston Celtics. They had a disappointing series against the Miami Heat, and uh, now we'll try to uh, regroup and bounce back, and hopefully be better than ever for the uh, 23-24 season for the for the Boston Celtics. Kale and Company live here on WKXL and HTalkRadio.com. Great to have you along with us on this Monday. Uh, tomorrow we'll be talking uh, a little bit about uh, insurance with our monthly feature from the New Hampshire Insurance Department. Always uh, look forward to that. And uh, we will uh, keep you posted as to who that uh, guest is going to be uh, tomorrow during the program. And Wednesday on the show, we will be joined uh, I should say uh, uh, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday. uh, Neil Levesque will join us from the uh, New Hampshire Institute of Politics at St. Anselm College. So Lots of interesting things coming up here on uh, Kale and & Company. And uh, tomorrow uh, we'll be talking with Maureen Belanger. And uh, Maureen uh, is the uh, New Hampshire Insurance Department's uh, chief examiner in the uh, life, uh, life and Health uh, Division. So she will be checking in uh, tomorrow here in the opening segment of uh, Kale & Company. Uh, Maureen Belanger from the uh, New Hampshire Insurance Department. Uh, We are coming up on uh, break time here on uh, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Kale and company live here for a Monday. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has all kinds of plans. And uh, you can uh, give them a a shout out or look them up online at deltadentalcoversme.com. So thanks to Northeast Delta Dental for sponsoring Kale & Company live here on WKXL at 1039 on the FM dial in the Concord area, as well as 1450 AM and 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, as well as nhtalkradio.com. We will be right back, so stay with us. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Check them out today at deltadentalcoversme.com. According to the Associated Press, YouTube will stop removing content that falsely claims the 2020 election or other past U.S. presidential elections were marred by widespread fraud, errors or glitches. The platform announced on Friday, the change is a reversal for the Google owned video service, which said uh, a month after the 2020 election that it would start removing new posts that falsely claimed Widespread voter fraud or errors change the outcome. YouTube said in a blog post that the updated policy was an attempt to protect the ability to openly debate political ideas, even those that are controversial or based on disproven assumptions. They go on to say, in the current environment, we find that while removing this content uh, content does curb some misinformation, it could also have the unintended effect of curtailing political speech without meaningfully reducing the risk of violence or other real-world harm. That's according to their blog post. The updated policy, which goes into effect immediately, won't stop YouTube from taking down content that tries to deceive voters in the upcoming 2024 election or other future races in the United States and abroad. The company said its other existing rules against election misinformation Remain unchanged. This could prove uh, difficult to enforce, said uh, John Wibby, an associate professor at Northeastern University in Boston who studies social media and misinformation. Uh, Mr. Whibby said it doesn't take a genius if you're on the uh, disinformation. Uh, we were wronged in 2020. Wait a minute. Let's just claim that voting just generally is not worth it in 2020 is our example, he said. I don't know how you disentangle rhetoric that both refers to past wrongs and to forward possibilities. The content moderation team, which is going to try to do this, is going to tie themselves in, tie themselves in knots trying to figure out exactly where that line is. End quote. The, the announcement comes after YouTube and other major social media companies, including Twitter and the meta-owned Facebook and Instagram have come under fire in recent years for not doing more to combat the fire hose of election misinformation and disinformation that spreads on their platforms. The left-leaning media watchdog group Media Matters said the policy change is not a surprise as it was one of the last major social media platforms to keep the policy in place. YouTube and other platforms that preceded it in weakening their election in weakening their election misinformation policies, like Facebook, have made it clear that one attempted insurrection wasn't enough. They're setting the stage for an encore," said its uh, vice president Julie Milliken in a statement. All kinds of uh, activity going on in Iowa, where, you know, of course, Iowa is the uh, first caucus state in the presidential election cycle, and uh, virtually, virtually all of the uh, Republican presidential hopefuls were in Iowa over the weekend, except one notable presidential hopeful, and that is former President Donald Trump. He did not make it to uh, Iowa over the weekend. And uh, all, the, all the other candidates that uh, have already announced uh, were there. And apparently Mike Pence is going to enter the fray this week along with Chris Christie. So uh, they will be making their announcements very shortly. That they will also uh, be involved in the uh, Republican presidential primary So the field is already crowded, and it's about to get uh, even more so. Uh, Chuck Todd said on Sunday that he will be leaving Meet the Press after a tumultuous near decade of moderating the NBC political panel show to be replaced in the coming months by Kristen Welker. 51-year-old Todd told viewers that uh, I've watched too many friends and family let work consume them before it was too late, and that he had promised his family he would not do that. Uh, Todd has often been an online punching bag for critics, including Donald Trump, during a polarized time, and there were rumors that uh, his time at the show would be short when its executive producer was reassigned at the end of last summer. But NBC gave no indication that this was anything than Todd's decision. It's unclear when Todd's last show is going to be, but he told viewers that this would be his final summer. Todd said, uh, I feel uh, leave feeling uh, concerned about this moment in history, but reassured by the standards, uh, standards we've set here, Todd said, we didn't tolerate propagandists, and this network program never will. So uh, there you go. Welker, a former chief White House correspondent, has been at NBC News in Washington since 2011 and has been uh, Todd's chief fill in for the past three years. She drew praise for moderating the final presidential debate between uh, Trump and uh, Joe Biden in 2020. Her sharp questioning of lawmakers is a masterclass in political interviews, said. Rebecca Blumenstein, NBC News President of Editorial, in a memo announcing Welker's elevation on Sunday. Now, Welker, 46, will be thrust into what promises to be another contentious presidential election cycle. Sunday morning political interview show has aired since 1947, led by inventor and first host Martha Roundtree. Its peak came in the years that Tim Russert moderated between 1991 until his death in 2008. With its footing less certain since then, Tom Brokaw briefly filled in after Russert's death, and David Gregory uh, replaced him until being forced out of favor, uh, in favor of Chuck Todd. Welker will be the first black moderator of Meet the Press and the first woman since Roundtree left In 1953, Todd said he was uh, proud of expanding the Meet the Press brand to a daily show which initially aired on MSNBC but was shifted to streaming along with podcasts and newsletters and uh, even a film festival. Blumenstein said he transformed the brand into a a vital modern-day franchise, expanding its footprint to an array of new mediums and kept Meet the Press at the forefront of political disclosure. However, it did not stop critics from jumping onto social media when they didn't like an interview Todd conducted. President Trump even anointed Todd with one of his signature nicknames, Sleepy Eyes, and later called on NBC to fire Todd in 2020 over its airing of a CBS interview clip with his then Attorney General William Barr. Todd later said the show had been unaware at the time of a uh, longer soundbite of the interview that would have provided more context, and he apologized for the mistake. Todd was uh, roasted at the White House Correspondents Association dinner in 2022 by Trevor Noah, who pointed him out in the audience and and said, how are you doing? I'd ask a follow-up, but I know you don't know what those are. Todd uh, alluded uh, to his critics in announcing his uh, exit on Sunday. If you do this job seeking popularity, you're doing the job incorrectly, he said. I take the attacks from partisans as compliments, and I take the genuine compliments with a grain of salt when they come from partisans. So there you go. Chuck Todd leaving shortly from his uh, job as moderator of Meet the Press. Coming up, we'll talk to an author author who has uh, won a number of awards after a long career in law enforcement. We will chat with uh, Isabella Maldonado right after these words. Kale & Company, WKXL, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. company live here on wkxl nhtalkradio.com presented by northeast delta dental and uh, very pleased to have joining us on this edition of kale and company wall street journal best-selling author isabella maldonado and uh, isabella it is a delight to have you on the show
1: it is absolutely my pleasure to
0: be here where where are you calling us from this morning
1: well, at the moment, I am actually in Manhattan. Ah. Uh, normally, I I normally live, um. But at the moment, my book just launched. You have the distinction of the radio interview, um. So I'm I'm in town for the big book launch.
0: All right, and that latest book is a killer's game, and. Uh, Uh, For those who are not familiar with uh, Isabella, uh, before turning to writing, Isabella uh, wore a badge and carried a gun for over two decades in law enforcement. Uh, Give us a little background, uh, if you would, Isabella, Isabella, about your career in Fairfax County, Virginia, just outside of our nation's capital.
1: Indeed. I'm happy to do that. It It was an amazing career. Um, when I first came on, back in the, in the Stone Age, there were very few women in law enforcement, and um, the people didn't quite know what to do with me. But by the time I got finished, I worked my way up through the ranks. Everyone starts out in patrol. And then by the time I finished, um, I rose to the rank of captain, and uh, I had been a precinct commander and a hostage negotiator and all kinds of other things. But my last position, I was commander of special investigations and forensics.
0: Wow. You you had a uh, tremendous career. What, what inspired you uh, in the first place to go into law enforcement?
1: Well, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, most people in law enforcement, I think, uh, especially back in, at that time, had family or friends. For me, I came at it differently. I had originally um, taken sort of a a pre-law undergraduate path. I thought I wanted to be an attorney, and then I did an internship at a law firm, and absolutely nothing against all of my attorney friends, but it was not for me. So (laughs) (laughs) um, I decided, how about doing applied law? And that just seemed like a good fit, and it turned out to be a fantastic fit.
0: Well, I I guess so, Uh, doing the job over uh, two decades. Uh, What uh, and then 2010 you, you moved to Arizona with uh, a, a mm-hmm. goal of starting your second career and, uh, and you certainly did that in style.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really did. It's um when when you're when you're back east and you retire, I think you're pretty much given two choices you're you're either supposed to go to Florida or Arizona. <laughs> and um, I chose I chose Arizona flor I, I like Florida, but um, Arizona was better for me, much more dry heat. Um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to go out West, and I did, and I absolutely loved it. I knew I always wanted to write. I was a voracious reader, and I thought, why not put all of this experience to work and write some crime fiction? And uh, I have really enjoyed a tremendous amount of success, and it's been really well received by people.
0: Oh, it certainly has. Uh, uh, tell us about the Desert Sleuths in the uh, Phoenix area and how that helped to uh, elevate your writing career.
1: Yeah, Actually, you know what? And this is great for anyone who thinks they might want to finally write that book that they have inside of them. I would recommend doing something like this. You join a writer's group. Um, Desert Sleuths is the Phoenix metro chapter of Sisters in Crime, which is a national organization for, well, originally was started um, by Sarah Paretzky and some others for um, women crime writers, because there weren't that many at the time. But now it's it's morphed into, I mean, everybody's included. We have a lot of men who join. As a matter of fact, we call ourselves sisters and misters, because <laughs> we have so many men members. Um, but yeah, you, you go and you join a writing group and... You go to the national and to the local uh, chapter, and that is what I did. I eventually became the president of that chapter. But for five years, I sort of studied the art and craft of writing before I attempted the first full-length novel, and I also um, published three short stories, got them published as well. But that's that's an excellent path for anyone who aspires to write.
0: Well, it absolutely worked for you. Uh, that that is for sure. How did your first uh, book contract uh, come about?
1: It was kind of funny. I went to I did everything I did was through a non-traditional route. It seems like I went to a normally you have to have an agent first and then you pitch, but once in a while a publisher will have an acquiring editor go to a conference and they will accept the direct pitches and um I went and I pitched an acquiring editor And she was so intrigued by both, you know, my background and my story, you know, when she heard about what it was. And she said, you know what? Give me your manuscript. I want to read it. I gave her the manuscript. And within a short period of time, she turned around and offered me a three-book deal. And that was my books are out. And then after that, I went to um, a large publishing house and got another two books deal and then another one after that and I'm on my third so you know it's really been taking off and now the books are being sold all over the world and um they're making a movie out of one of them so it's really turning into a fantastic really exciting fun career
0: and uh, we we will talk about that in a moment or two our our guest is Isabella Maldonado and her new book, Just Out, Hot Off the Presses, is a killer's game. And uh, your first book uh, was the start of the uh, Veranda Cruz series, uh, mm-hmm. Blood's Echoed. Tell us about that first book.
1: The very first book um, I was in, I had moved to Phoenix. But now all, we all know it's kind of like it's now like an adopted hometown for me. But I moved to Phoenix, but I fell in love with it. And I wanted to write about Phoenix. And I thought, you know, we have all kinds of homicide detective. That's kind of what I wanted to write at that point. And I thought, well, we have them, you know, New York, Miami, Chicago, L.A. and Washington. They they kind of seem like they get all the attention. And I thought, what about Phoenix? It's the fifth largest city in the United States. It's a very busy city. There's a lot of homicide. There's a lot of other things going on. And so I thought, you know, let me let me do something with this. And it did. um, It was incredibly interesting. And then because I'm a cop, I was able to get all the access that I wanted in that police department. And that was it was really rewarding to me to be very accurate because every different department has different internal culture. And I was able to really capture the culture of that agency, which is, I think, what readers enjoy.
0: You you obviously do a lot of research.
1: Mm, absolutely. Even even though I have an extensive law enforcement experience, it doesn't mean you don't have to do research. And as a matter of fact, I became friends with the director of the Phoenix Crime Lab. So even though at one point I was commander of special investigations and forensics, the science changes constantly. So I have to touch base with her, and she's like, oh, yeah, Isabella, we don't do it like that anymore. This is how we do it now. (laughs) So I have to constantly update, you retire 15 minutes ago, and everything has changed, especially with science and forensic science. So I do try to keep everything super up to date.
0: Uh, Before we get into uh, a killer's game, uh, uh, tell us about the success you had with uh, 2020's The Cypher and uh, Mm -hmm. what, as you alluded to, what that has led to.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So that one um that's a new series and I decided this time I wanted to I wanted to write a series about an FBI agent. Um, I have a lot of friends in the FBI and I had attended the FBI National Academy in Quantico that is for law enforcement executives where you live on campus in Quantico for 3 months and you get all this in-depth exposure And so I felt like that gave me a good base, you know, along with other FBI contacts to write believably about an FBI agent hunting a serial killer. So that's kind of what I wanted to do for that series. The first book in the series just exploded and it went really, it became a phenomenon and right now, that book is being published in 23 languages wow. all over the world, on every continent except Antarctica. <laughs> <It's> being, <laughs> and um, in addition to that, Hollywood called and it's like, we want to make a movie out of this. And um, there was lots of interest. But uh, Jennifer Lopez, her production company, New York and Productions, brought a really, really strong um, offer in. And then what really surprised me was, you know, um, her production company said, "We're going to have her read the, we have to have her read your book, you know, And then shortly thereafter, she said, "You know what? I want this for myself. I want to star in this and produce it." Wow. And um so Ne uh, partnered with Netflix. And so now it is currently being developed. And I don't know what the time frame is because, you know, schedules and things. And, of course, now we have a writer's strike. But even without all that, all the different production schedules and everything else, I don't know. But but yes, um, having a a major worldwide star who is a household name all over the world, wanting to play a character that you created, it's just head-spinning, absolutely. Wow,
0: that—that that is really something. Uh, Isabella Maldonado is with us. Her new book is A Killer's Game. Can you stay with us for a few more minutes?
1: I sure can. All Thank
0: you. All right. Isabella will uh, be with us after the break and uh, talk about her book that is just out, A Killer's Game. Right here, Kale and Company Live on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. And uh, very pleased to have with us this morning author Isabella Maldonado, a Wall Street Journal bestseller, uh, best-selling author, I should say. And Isabella has just released a book, just out, A Killer's Game, first book in the FBI agent uh, Daniela Vega series. So uh, tell us about it, Isabella.
1: Sure. For this one, um, this is kind of like a shout-out to everyone who loves puzzles um, and, and solving those kind of things. I mean, when I was growing up my in the Washington area, I would see my father do the Washington Post crossword puzzle, analogous to the New York Times, same thing. And, um, you know, I used to just sort of always loved it that way. And then I was, you know, growing up on the junior jumble and stuff like that myself. (laughs) So I think that everyone loved these. But what I also noticed was there's this explosion in popularity of escape rooms everywhere. And um, people just find those fascinating. So I I got to thinking about it. And this time, this was a real deviation from stuff before. I mean, it still, you know, features an FBI agent and stuff. But I thought, well, what if I put her in an escape room? Where she has to has to solve puzzles, but in addition to that, the consequences are deadly if she doesn't. And you know, throw in some uh, political conspiracies. I stay away from heavy politics. I don't like to get into you know too much of that. But there's it's more of a uh, financial sort of. There's something financial behind everything, but it's all about that. And people are just really going crazy for this uh, this new character. And, and she is an amazing person, and uh, it was a lot of fun to write about her.
0: Now, escape rooms, as you mentioned, have become uh, very popular. And uh, uh, as you mentioned, it's featured in your, your new book, A uh, Killer's Game. H- have you been to one?
1: No. My son went to one last year in New York City, and um, he really enjoyed it. But I, I, it's like I had to, st- I had to study these. And how they work. I haven't had time. I really want to try it when I do have time. But I've just heard from a lot of people who did, and I've seen some some stuff online and done some research that way.
0: Now, now, all of your female protagonists have been Latin American. Why? Why is that uh, important to you?
1: Well, it, it's my own background, um, and I felt like it was important to have characters that were diverse and, and represented our country. And I think that that was very important. And at, the, at first, you know, back when I first got started, that was not um, welcomed as much. And um, there was, you know, early on, some people thought, you know, where is, is there going to be a wide enough appeal? Well, it turns out that there is, because really you tell a story that is a story it is a uniquely American struggle, which is all of us together in this country, we all come from everywhere, but we share this experience. And the characters that I write about, they all have, you know, burdens that they have to deal with from their past. They all have family. It's, it's completely the American experience. But even funny, it's also international, because I'm also deeply surprised that people in countries all over the world Completely relate to my characters.
0: Uh, no, no doubt about that. Judging by the uh, success of of the books that you have written already, and how, how much uh, of of your writing does come from your real life uh, experiences in, in law enforcement?
1: Um, oh, the the characters. How much do they share with the experiences? Yeah, is that what you asked? Yeah, because okay, you you cut. No.
0: Little... Yes. Yeah. How,
1: how, how... They were in. Go ahead inspired by uh, my stories are in actual and I don't write true crimes so they're not completely but as an example um, the cipher was inspired by my experience the Beltway sniper case Uh around in DC and the reason being because you know the um, the main killer there was leaving clues and riddles and things at the scene of his crimes of their crimes I should say and so I thought well You know, if that happened, and he also contacted the media, both radio and television media and print. And I thought, well, if that happened in today, instead of in the 90s, when that did happen, how would it happen? And I said, well, social media. So that was kind of what inspired that. So I do pay attention to what's going on around me and also what goes on um, significant cases in law enforcement. Um, And I think it's important to do that. It's reflective of, of what's going on.
0: No doubt about that. So so you were around in, in law enforcement for that uh, infamous uh, D.C. sniper situation.
1: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, at that point in time, um, I wasn't a captain yet. I was a lieutenant, and I was in charge of our public information office at that point in my career. So I was the one that had to go out in front of all of the cameras and talk about it. it was It was kind of, it was a challenge, I'll put it that way. And we did have one of the cases was in my jurisdiction, and as a matter of fact, the prosecution took place in my. So you know, we were all up to our eyeballs in that in that case, and it was really, really a phenomenon. And I also wanted to capture, kind of the the fear that having killers like that at you know loose in your community, what that can do. And in this case, it brought the entire region. To almost like a, a halt. Everybody was terrified.
0: Oh, there's no no doubt about that, and uh, uh, that that was a time that uh, anyone that was experienced it uh, will certainly never ever forget. Uh, in your law enforcement experience, uh, did, did you have any close calls?
1: Well, yes, there were there were a, a few times that you know I could have checked out. Uh, I guess is a way to put it. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, it didn't happen that way. And I mean, it's a it's a dangerous profession. It really is. And I think that when you go into it, you do have to sort of understand, you know, there can be a time where you may have to pay the ultimate price. You go into it with that knowledge. I think sometimes for some officers, it becomes a shock when you do have a near miss. Um, because you, or when, you know, someone very close, like your partner or on your squad is killed, when that happens, you are so, it uh, it really does bring it home. And that is also when you discover more of the family aspect of what being in, in law enforcement is like. And I do like to show that in my book. And a lot of my readers have said that they can actually tell that there is a level of authenticity that they do not see. You can tell. And that's something, you know, talking to my editors and stuff, they're always like, don't be shy about putting it in there. What does it feel like when you know someone's trying to kill you? What does it feel like when you're in a high speed pursuit? You know, what does it feel like when you're in a fight for your life? And, you know, and I try to put these emotions as well as not just describing the physical blows, anybody can do that. But not everyone can describe what it actually feels like, mm. and that's what I try to bring.
0: Yes, and and you do it well. Uh, your your work, of course, was uh, in Fairfax County, just outside of D.C. But uh, mm. your, your writing now is all based uh, in the Southwest. So that quite a transformation.
1: A lot of it. A lot of it is uh, my entire first series is set in Phoenix. The second series, the FBI series. Now, I did base that originally in Quantico, oh. um, and again because I'm familiar with that campus. And I, I literally describe the inside of the of the uh, the FBI space. It's funny. There's a lot of inside stuff that FBI agents will know. Oh yeah, I've been there. I know what oh. you know. Know what she's talking about. That kind of thing. But in that in that series, um, what what does happen is it does end up going out. To Arizona again. I can't seem to stay away from Arizona. So that I mean, you're right, it kind of morphs. It starts in Quantico, but then it goes to Arizona. Um now the new one I have, a killer's game, the one that is that just came out a couple of days ago, that one is all New York City. Oh, ah, okay. I shouldn't say all. Well, okay, there's a little bit of a connection. There is a little bit of a connection with Out West, but it was it's almost all set in New York City. And um, I do spend a decent enough amount of time in New York City that I I did the same thing when I do the research. I, I'm out there and I'm walking through the area where I have like a foot chase through lower Manhattan. And I literally went on foot through lower Manhattan and down in the subways. So I can literally describe very accurately the entire foot chase. And I tell you what, those New Yorkers, they're tough. They will call me on it if I get something wrong. And there's millions of them out there, and they love to read. Uh,
0: You know they will call you out, but uh, I'm sure you won't get anything wrong because you do your research, and uh, you do it extremely well. And uh, I I know you're very busy with interviews uh, and Mm -hmm. promoting a killer's game, but thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be with us this morning. We really appreciate it, Isabella.
1: It's been my pleasure, and they can get the book anywhere. Anywhere. That'll be good.
0: Mm -hmm. A a killer's (laughs) game. Isabella Maldonado, uh, a delight to have you with us and continued success.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks for being with us. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of uh, Kale & Company Live here on WKXL. Thanks to Isabella Maldonado for uh, joining us today. And a delightful guest and uh, one of the top authors right now in the country, if not the world. Her uh, work has caught on like wildfire, as they say. And an upcoming Netflix uh, movie will be called The Cypher, uh, starring Jennifer Lopez and uh, Isabella, the author of that. Kale & Company Live, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. You can check out uh, your plan at CoversMe.com. Back tomorrow, we'll talk insurance with the New Hampshire Department of Insurance. Right here, WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. Make it a great Monday, everyone.